0: I'm going to bring today's reading to us this evening from Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 to 10. It will be on the screens, but please do turn to your Bibles if you have them with you. Daniel 6, verses 1 to 10. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said... We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to, to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and government, governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any God or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. This is the word of the Lord.
1: If you've got a Bible, and I hope you have, please turn to Daniel chapter 6. Get your phones out. Don't go shopping. Daniel 6. And uh, as we start, can I encourage you um, to have a look later on this week when the sermons from... The previous services today are uploaded. Mark Brickman and Tom Barber both preached uh, fantastic sermons on the second half of this chapter. That's where they waited it on Daniel in the lion's den. But I want us to think this evening about the first part primarily of this uh, passage, which is about the lion in Daniel. And it's because of the lion in Daniel that he is able to face the lions in the den. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. We bless you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you chose us not because we were right with you, we were wrong with you, but you chose us because you loved us. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done in our lives. And we pray you'd do more. And Lord, as we consider this exemplary prophet, we pray that you would stir something in us and by your Spirit do a work in us and make us more like him who was so like you. Amen. Well, yesterday afternoon, I was driving back from somewhere and listening to Radio 4. I'm almost embarrassed to say that I listened to Radio 4. When I was a teenager, it was Radio 1. And then in my sort of 30s, it was Radio 2. And now I'm in Radio 4. I really am middle-aged, and soon it will be Radio 3. Anyway, I was listening to Any Comments, which is a fantastic program on a Saturday afternoon on the radio. And I was struck by one word that kept coming up time and time again for this half-hour show, as they were discussing contemporary events and uh, uh, political figures in the public domain. And that word was the word integrity, integrity. Over and over again, callers rang up and used this word. And of course, following the report by Sue Gray about politicians who partied in lockdown, several people were asking not simply, are the lawmakers the lawbreakers, but a more nuanced question about character and morality, and the question of what do we actually want to see as the hallmark of those who make decisions and hold power in our land, who hold high office. And this was the word that kept coming up. We want them to be people of integrity. Now, Aristotle, who you all read, was uh, an ancient Greek father of moral and political philosophy. And he believed that political leaders needed this quality. He said, true virtue is what they need where all parts of the soul pull together in the same direction towards the good of others integrity all parts of the soul pulling together in the same direction for the common good and the good of the other seems like a pretty good criteria for a leader and we all know that Politics is facing an integrity crisis. And uh, politicians, some of them have been exposed in recent weeks for uh, inconsistency, some for immorality. And there's been a presentation, a kind of public persona, but that's been peeled back, and we see behind that. And things are not all that they appear at first. But before we jump to a kind of moral outrage, we need to apply the same criteria to ourselves. We need to apply a judgment to ourselves. Otherwise, we're hypocrites. And let's be honest, who of us is without sin? Who of us is not inconsistent? Who of us doesn't have a front stage and a backstage? Who of us is able to cast the first stone? The word integrity, like the word integrated, comes from a Latin word, integer, and it means whole or complete. And it's the quality of being morally undivided, morally consistent, that there is no gap between what you present and what you project and what you think, and what you say, and how you are in public, and how you are in private. As Jesus said, your yes is yes, and your no is no. Not your yes is yes with some people, but really no with others. And Daniel is just such a person, such a role model, where we see this remarkable integrity, where we see sincerity, we see this purity and moral clarity. He doesn't play games. He doesn't give false impressions. He doesn't say one thing and do another. There is no front stage and a differing backstage. The man is consistent, morally upright. He has integrity. And that's why he's such an important figure for us. Daniel has a lion's heart. Because of that, it actually leads him into trouble in the lion's den, and by the grace of God leads him through the lion's den. Well, I've got two main points. The first is this: I want us to think about the mark of Daniel's integrity, the hallmark of it. Let's look at the text. first few verses of chapter six. King Darius has appointed 120 satraps. I think it's a great name for an official government minister. A satrap. And over the 120 that he's appointed who will rule over and administrate his empire, he has appointed three, as it were, prime ministers. Three over the 120. And Daniel has been appointed as one of these three. But so remarkable is this man, Daniel, that his gifts make room for him. And Darius wants to actually put him as the number one over the over what will then be a replacement. So over the three and over the hundred and twenty. And then the hundred and twenty and the other two of the three get worried. verse 2, it says that the king has appointed these ministers so that he would not suffer loss. And there seems to be an implication that his empire might suffer loss if it wasn't governed properly. And one wonders, one perhaps can infer from it, that actually these governors were ripping the system off, were creaming off the top for their own benefit. So in fact... Darius, the emperor, was suffering loss. And so the other governors, when they hear that Daniel is going to be their boss, they seek to have him removed. They seek to get him out the way because perhaps he might highlight their wrong and present them as guilty before the emperor. So they look for evidence that they can get him on they look for some sort of negligence in his office, some sort of offense that he has committed. And having scrutinized his life and work, they can find nothing. It says in verse 4, they were not able to find any evidence because he was trustworthy and guilty of no corruption. I mean, what an extraordinary thing to say about him. What an amazing testimony. There are no grounds to find fault. Last week, uh, we were in chapter 5, and we saw how Belshazzar's wife, the queen, says, in Daniel is the spirit of the holy gods. And he is a man of wisdom and learning and Inside. And he'll tell you what these prophecies mean. That he had these remarkable charisms. The Spirit of God was upon him. Charisms, gifts. And here in chapter six, that we see that along with those gifts, that Spirit of God that was upon him has produced this exemplary character. They had a good look. You can be sure of that. And they found out nothing. No skeletons in the cupboard and no cobwebs in the corner. It's been said that everyone's got something to hide, but not Daniel. He walked in the light. Everyone's got something kept in the shadows, some secret indulgence, withheld against the light, not this man. And the first challenge then for us as we're considering him is, well, what about me? What about us? If someone were to scrutinize my life, my mind, my habits, what would they find? Is there any offense? Is there any negligence? Is there any indulgence withheld against the light? And what about you? Years ago, one of my former students was being processed for a very important uh, role. And I was a referee, and a phone call was set up where I had to give this reference. And there was just one question. That was asked, and it was this very secretive. I didn't know, even know who I was talking to. But he said, As this person's priest, is there anything you know in his life that he has confessed to you? He knows I'm talking to you. Is there anything that he has confessed to you or that you know about in his life that? would make him vulnerable to extortion or manipulation. I said, no, not that I know of, but you got me thinking now. <laughs> but I said, no, no, thank you very much, Reverend ponsonby <laughs> Put the phone down, that was the end of that. And uh, the person went on to very interesting and exciting profession. Is there anything that you, in your life that is open to extortion, manipulation. I mean, that's serious stuff. This was a serious job. That would make him vulnerable if he was. But what about me? And what about us? Arthur Conan Doyle said he was a real trickster. once played a trick on 12 of his mates, all noble and powerful establishment figures in England. And... uh, he sent a telegram to these chums, 12 of them, and he said, all is discovered. Flee immediately. This is true. Within 24 hours, 10 of them left the country. <laughs> Makes you think, doesn't that? And were you to receive something from someone that you respected saying, it's out. It's all been discovered. What would come to mind? Because whatever might have come to mind then, the Lord doesn't want it ever to come to mind again. He wants to clean that up. there to be repentance and restoration and moving on. No secret sin, no shadows, nothing shameful from the past, no skeletons in the cupboard. Crystal clear, like our man Daniel. Well, the governor's tried another tack. Verse 5 said, we're not going to find any pretext against this man, Daniel, unless it is in connection with the law of his God. I love this. The pretext, the text that goes pre, the text, the narrative, the story, the principle, the operating principle of this man that goes before him is God. The only thing you're going to get him on is his God, is his faith. It's extraordinary. And so verse 7 onwards, they devise a plan that no one can worship any god but King Darius for 30 days on pain of death. They go to the king, and in his vanity, he agrees to this plan. And a demonic trap is set. They expect Daniel not to comply. They know he won't. They know he will continue worshiping God. They know that law binding his religion will not work. They know he will continue in his devotion. So powerful is his affection and allegiance to his God. They know they've got him. And the trap is set. You know, the Caesars tried the same with the Christians, the second and third. Centuries. They said to the Christians, You you can have Jesus, but you must say that Caesar is Lord, you must offer worship to the Emperor and the gods. And some did to save their hide, and many didn't, and they were fed to the lions. Verse ten When Daniel learnt the decree, straight away. First thing, no time, didn't even think about it. He thought, oh, interesting. I better go, oh, oh, it's prayer time. (laughs) I better go and say me prayers. And he goes up to his room, but he doesn't hide. He's not praying them in secret. He's not an anonymous, secret worshiper of Yahweh. He opens the window. And he faces Jerusalem from where he came and from where his people will return at the end of exile. And he worships his God in plain sight for all to see. And they're looking to see. And there he is. They've got him. But his integrity, he's a man of integrity. We'd all like to be able to interpret dreams, I'm sure. We'd all like to be filled with the Spirit of God and uh, to have wisdom and knowledge and insight. Wouldn't, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? But to live such a life that actually we stand out, uh, we're called out, and trouble might come our way, <laughs> maybe less of that chapter five of daniel sure chapter six not so sure we need more daniels we need more daniels in the church we need more daniels men and women of integrity in politics and economics and the academy and the arts and medicine and school and industry and sport in your clubs and in your schools and in your dining halls at college. We need more Daniels. And to have more Daniels, we need more people filled with the Spirit of God who are fashioned into the character of God. The fact is, we've become so accustomed in our society to a breakdown between the profession and the private front stage, backstage, in all areas of society. and I had a whole litany of examples, but we don't need, and we know what I'm talking about. Perhaps nowhere is the disconnect, the lack of integrity seen more than in the church, between what we profess and what we practice. You see, we claim the highest morality, because we claim to be born again by the Spirit of God. And we, unlike everyone else, claim a divine agency. We claim to have the Spirit of the Holy God in us. The question is, what difference does it make to us? An internet dating site a couple of years ago for married people who were seeking casual affairs or casual hookups was hacked, and the names were leaked. And I read one commentator who published an article who said that he had evidence of 400 church leaders who resigned from church leadership the following Sunday because they were members of that adultery club. I mean, mean, that's mind-blowing, isn't it? And yet it's true. A friend of mine told me a week ago that he had taken someone to hear who wasn't a Christian, to hear a very famous uh, Christian evangelist. And they were brilliant and articulate and intelligent and deconstructed the false worldview and presented the gospel and were so compelling. And people responded. And as he walked away with this person, He said, well, what did you think? And she said, well, he's a good speaker. She said, he's a good speaker. But what's he like at home? What's he like at home? Well, in the past year or two, we found out what he was like at home and away. So this is the first thing for us. I've only got two points. The next one will be quick. Where are the Daniels or the Daniels? Where are they? <laughs> See, we're, we're all called. These are not illustrations for us. I've actually got two paintings of Daniel on my living room walls. Of two of Daniel in the lion's den. Mark showed one of them this morning. I thought, I've got, that that looks familiar. Oh, yes, I have that painting. (laughs) Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel could go to the lion's den because there was a lion in Daniel. The lion of Judah had hold of his heart. But where are these? I got the paintings. How like the man am I? Or you? And then, secondly, that's the first thing the Mark of Daniel is integrity. And then secondly, the making of Daniel's integrity. How do you create this lion heart? Well, Daniel's integrity is shaped by intimacy with God. It's intimacy with God. It's immediacy before God. It's time spent with God in God's presence that has formed and conformed him into the likeness of his God because God is all integrity, purity. God dwells in light. His throne is upon a crystal sea, transparent. Someone said it was lucid purity. I rather like that. And his incarnate Son we see in Jesus, crystal clear. No front stage or backstage, no inconsistency, just purity and beauty of perfection. And when when Jesus was judged, his enemies could find no charge that would stick. But Daniel's integrity is formed through his intimacy, through his proximity to God. And that, it's God that rubs off on him, becomes more like him. And so this discipline of intimacy is key to integrity. Verse 10, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home upstairs, opened the door, and then it says, three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, just as he had always done. Integrity isn't created in an instant, but it's cultivated in intimacy. Integrity is not the result of prayer ministry but the result of a ministry of prayer you can't get it by someone laying hands on you you get it by you laying hold of God and that takes time And note the discipline, it says, three times a day, as was his custom, come rain or shine or blessing or trouble, even in the lion's den, for that day, three times he would have been saying his prayers. He was found to be praying. His feelings, his mood, or his food, these things are not going to change his discipline. He's going to pray three times a day. He just keeps calm and carries on and does what he always did. This is the extraordinary thing. He doesn't stop his devotional life for holiday. He doesn't have a day off on a Monday because he's had a difficult, busy day on Sunday or whatever. You know, my dad, I've often spoken about him, but the longer I know him, the more amazed I am by him. He's got more integrity than any man I ever met. And when I was a rebellious teenager, which I really was big time, sometimes I wanted him to be different. Often. I was a bit embarrassed by him, to be honest. I didn't want a Bible basher as a dad. I wanted a biker. You know what I mean? I didn't want to see his new Bible. I wanted a BSA or something like that in the garage, for those who are old enough to know what that is. But over the years... And that's after i became a christian as a young adult i began to see that my dad was special integrity complete my dad was the same on sunday as he was on monday through saturday he was the same at work as he was at home he was the same when he was tired or when he was stressed after i left the meat trade just before i went into ministry i worked with him He worked for the Law Society, Legal Aid. He was a senior civil servant there. And I worked with him, and I watched him. And I watched how he interacted with people, and I watched and observed what people thought of him. And I thought, my dad's just the same. This is my dad. There's no persona. There's no front stage when the reality at home is very different. He is just the same. And it was clear that the couple didn't like him, particularly a couple of guys didn't like him, some senior managers. I thought, yeah, I can see. You just don't take to him because you don't get him. But others I saw loved my old man. And at lunchtime would want to be near him and would often make an excuse to go and see him, to ask him things about decisions in their life or to tell them what had been happening. He was a man of Integrity. I was so thrilled to see that. I should. I wasn't surprised, but I was impressed. He had a severe accident and was taken to hospital uh, ten days ago. He's he's really badly bashed in. But uh, my mum packed his bag as the as the ambulance was about to take him, and I rushed down to be there. And she said, "I gave him his Hebrew Bible. I gave him his Bible. Forget the false teeth." He's got his Bible. Why? Because my dad, three times a day, three times a day since he became a Christian, probably 60 years ago, has prayed. I saw it. Up early at dawn before breakfast on his knees. At lunchtime, when I worked with him, I saw it. He'd go to, he'd go just go and pray and read his Bible. And then in the evening, When I lived at home, it was the nine o'clock news in them days. He'd watch the nine o'clock news and then go and pray on his knees. Often I'd go into his room and I'd see him on his knees. Integrity. Here's the thing. I've been thinking this week, would my sons think that I was a role model of integrity? That's been a challenge this week, and I doubt it. The posture of prayer is key to integrity. The discipline of intimacy is key to it, and the posture of that prayer. Three times a day, he gets down on his knees and prays. You know, this is the first reference in the whole of the Bible, and we're a long way through it. It's the first reference to kneeling and prayer. Nowhere is kneeling and praying three times a day commanded. It's just what he did. It is the d- discipline of intimacy, but I believe it revealed a posture in his heart, and was the making of this man. My old postgrad su- research supervisor, Professor Gavin De Costa, once wrote an article in 1998 after I'd done my research. It wasn't inspired by me, I'm sure, but he wrote it, this article. It was called "Cultivating the Disciplined Habits." of a love affair. He was a very famous philosopher, and he wrote this, Cultivating the Disciplined Habits of a Love Affair. And the subtitle was Theology on Your Knees. And Daniel was made on his knees. And this wasn't religion. This was the disciplined habit of a love affair. And he doesn't doesn't comply. With their manipulation and so worship an idol and save his own skin because of religion he does it because of a love affair that he has with god how's he gonna how's he gonna let god how could he do that you see the person who has spent three times a day consciously aligning his heart and mind and will to that one who he so loves. I'm not gonna let him down. He's not gonna say, I'm gonna put you to one side, it's only gonna be 30 days and I'll be back. No, he's gonna be faithful, just as always. He opens the window and prays. The one who kneels before God prays twice. The one who kneels before God can stand before emperors, and the one who kneels before God can stand before lions. Integrity was the mark of Daniel, and intimacy with God was the making of Daniel. Perhaps the band would like to come up and let me land now. Yesterday, on this radio program, someone was criticizing the particular, particular politician, for lacking integrity and they said he's not going to change he can't help it he's never going to change but i disagree people can change if they're in the right environment people can change but it does require humbling oneself and discovering the power of a greater affection The American Bible teacher, Charles Swindle, said this, do you want to shock the world? He says, well, start here. Demonstrate the guts to do what is right when no one's looking. It takes real guts to stand strong with integrity in a culture weakened by hypocrisy. Start today. Amen.